For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in the Pac-12 is brought to you by MyBookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. Just to give you a little insight, here are my picks for this upcoming NFL week on MyBookie.ag. Pick number one, and these are a parlay by the way. I have Tennessee over Jacksonville minus one and a half. I'm a Marcus Mariota believer. Not a lot of people are. But I am. It may be my organ bias, but I'm, sk- I'm going to stick with it. And also, Gardner Minshew, he's good. But with the Jalen Ramsey controversy on defense, I think Tennessee can win this game. The next one that I have parlayed with Tennessee is Baltimore plus seven versus Kansas City. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. Baltimore's pass defense isn't very good. But I think that Lamar and company are just on fire right now. That offense is rolling. The Chiefs defense isn't great. I think that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game on both sides. But I think the Ravens will lose. I don't think they'll lose by a touchdown. The third team I'm parlaying those two picks with are the Falcons plus two versus Indianapolis. I know Jacoby Brissett's been pretty good. I know the defense has been there for Indianapolis. But I'm a believer in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And I think that those two together along with Ridley and the backfield will be able to walk out of Indianapolis with a win. Once again, my parlay for this week, Tennessee minus one and a half, Baltimore plus seven, and Atlanta plus two. Make sure you join now and bet on MyBookie. MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use my promo code REPLY to activate this offer. That's my promo code R-E-P-L-Y, REPLY. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Ryan Leaf and I will be back in just a moment with Believe in the Pac-12. Episode number five of Believe in the Pac-12. Welcome, everybody. Ryan Leaf, myself, Jonathan Rifkin. Delighted to be with you for what was an eventful week three, but I don't know if you can call it a great week three for the Pac-12. Ryan, you were in Texas. Why don't you give us a little bit of a of a story or just an image of what you went through this past weekend before we get into this episode? Well, I think we, you know, we talked about this this week is, is really important for the conference in terms of the national narrative. And there were, in my opinion, must-win football games. And when it's all said and done, the Pac-12 now has six teams in the top 25 AP poll. Um, And I don't necessarily know why. Because the conference in, in general didn't win all the games they needed to win. In fact, they got embarrassed in a few of them. I don't know if the Arizona State win over Michigan State was was. Enough. It was for some people. 
I think Arizona beat in Texas Tech, but there were a few other games that were rather disappointing, and we'll get into those a little bit later. But to your point, the, the Washington State-Houston game, I got the chance with my play-by-play partner uh, to jump over there from College Station and, and watch them play in person. And it took them a little while to get going. Uh, they had to feel each other out. They knew each other better than anybody does in terms of their air raid offense. And for a long time, I thought this was going to be like a 13-10 to 10 football game. Uh, if anybody would have told me that it was going to be 7-7 at the end of the first quarter, uh, people would have told you they were nuts. But Washington State, Anthony Gordon found their way. Uh, they kept plugging along and plugging along. For me, it's always going to be about whether Washington State can stop people. And they had probably one of the hardest tests of the season for him at quarterback and Derek King and they were able to do a pretty darn good job in limiting him uh, and that offense in the second half and coming away with a victory they got a late mop-up touchdown to make it a, a one-score game but really at the end when it was all said and done Washington State uh, won by a couple scores and comes into Pac-12 season uh, 3-0 and once again but with a more defining national win than they've had in the previous years going into week four. I want to ask you this about Washington State because now the narrative has changed, and we'll talk about this more in our next episode, about who in the Pac-12, if anybody, can represent the conference in the college football playoff. And it seems right now it's it's three teams. It's Utah. Well, I, I Arizona State, I'm on the fringe about. And actually, let's go back to that before I ask you this question. When the college football playoff committee, when the AP poll, anybody looks at this game, how much do they take into account the human margin for error at the end of that game that played a part in Arizona State actually winning? Well, clearly they don't play any. It doesn't play any part in it. Otherwise, Arizona State's not in the top twenty-five this week, right? I'm going to get a really good opportunity here in two weeks. I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going to be on the college football playoff mock committee and go through the whole process and learn what it's all about and how it takes place. Uh, we're going to be using, I think, the the initial year of the college football playoff as our our, our test subject. So I'm going to learn how it, how everything plays into it. I, I didn't place Arizona State in my top 25. I removed Michigan State from the top 25 as well as Arizona State yet. I, I, don't, I don't know enough from that football game. I probably should give it more credence because I had Michigan State so highly ranked last week at number 13, but I just didn't see enough. I, I give Herm Edwards and that Arizona State team a, a ton of credit. They're going to be a team that – that can make things ugly. And he, he proved that last year when they played Michigan State, right? He can limit possessions like an NFL head coach. He can play good defense. He can not turn the football over offensively and win with field goals. And that's exactly what happened in East Lansing on Saturday. And I give him a ton of credit for it. It's very similar to what Cal did against Washington a couple weeks ago. And I think that they're going to be a presence in the South because of it, because they're going to be in every football game under Herm Edwards because his ability to coach – uh, in the style of an NFL football team. Yeah, and I mean, when you go back and look at that game, too, it's not like Arizona State on defense played particularly well. It was more that Brian Lewerke and Michigan State couldn't finish drives. They won 10-7, to or they lost 10-7, to excuse me. And Lewerke, he played a pretty good game. 63% completion percentage, 291 yards, but he had no touchdowns, um, and he was averaging just a hair above 7.5 uh, yards per pass, but they couldn't finish those drives, and I'm not sure if that speaks as a testament to Arizona State's defense or the lack of ability to complete drives for Michigan State's offense? It says a lot about Arizona State's defense, and that's in the like of an NFL defense, right? A lot of NFL defenses will let teams go up and down the field on them, but once they get into the red zone and they become tighter areas for completions and, and big plays, they, they're able to make those and, and, and cause teams to kick field goals and, 
And if they can't execute in the special teams game, you need all three phases, you find ways to win football games, and especially when you're limiting possessions, as Herm Edwards' defense is allowed to do. Jaden Daniels has been special to me in terms of him being a true freshman, walking into an environment like that, a welcome to the Power Five type of atmosphere, and for him to play in the fashion that he did, didn't make mistakes. That's been my biggest takeaway of Jaden Daniels through three weeks is that he's not making mistakes and in any, with a team that's going to need him not to do that. Uh, he's fitting in really well, and, and her has got to be really pleased with the way things have started this year. Now, don't forget, a year ago, the same thing happened. They beat Michigan State a year ago, right? No one expected them to do it. They went out, they beat a Michigan State team a year ago, and then followed it up by laying an egg against San Diego State the week after. This year, Colorado comes in, and they're going to be looking for revenge from a Colorado team that got you know, that embarrassed them a year ago up in Boulder. So I think their their focus will be right on. Uh, Colorado's going to be pretty pissed coming off that loss to Air Force this weekend, but that's an anomaly in my eyes because it, you just you're not prepared for the what the triple option brings to the table. So uh, I'm excited about Arizona State. I think they're the second best team in the South right now. Uh, of course, that will be determined this week when uh, Utah and USC get it going Friday night. Let's go to that Colorado Air Force game. Air Force lost in overtime last week to Michigan. They were right on the fringes of winning that game. They come into Colorado, and they end up winning. This time, though, they pulled it out in overtime, 30-23. to Montez played fine, 221, 220 passing yards. Um, he had a handful on the ground as well. But their run defense wasn't great. They gave 146 uh, rushing yards to Air Force's Caden Remsburg. And I think, for me, that's the biggest criticism is on 23 carries, you're giving up 146 yards. That allowed, like you said, the triple option to push the ball down the field and keep Air Force not only in the game, but eventually give them the win. They dominated. They dominated from the from the moment. The problem here is Steven Montez. He's a fifth-year senior, and he's got unbelievable talent around him, and he's been the problem. He threw a terrible interception behind to Katie Nixon late in the football game that gave Air Force the ball back. Uh, it's just it's, it's something that you think would be different at this point in time, but this is what they have. This is who's going to play. You talked about uh, the Air Force team and their ability to, to limit possessions use up a ton of time of possession when they're running they're running the football. And no matter how much you practice for this, you're not doing it on a daily basis. You have three days to prepare for something that this team's been doing over and over and over again. We watched it happen a week ago when Army did it to Michigan. We saw it a year ago when Army did it to Oklahoma. We're going to see this when military academies play these types of football teams. It's going to be really difficult. I think it's more of an anomaly. I don't think this is a referendum on Colorado as a team. I think what we saw against Nebraska late in that football game and the comeback against Air Force is who they are. And therefore, I think this game against Arizona State is going to be much more competitive than a while a lot of people probably think seven point favorites already uh, Arizona State in the early betting lines here I don't know if it's if that is is a, a big spread but it's it's a too big of one for me right now with knowing what I know about both football teams Utah's looking to try and represent the Pac-12 as one of those teams to represent in the college football playoff they beat Idaho State 31 nothing it's a result that I think none of us are surprised by. I would be shocked if anybody thought that Idaho State had a remote chance of winning this game. For Utah, though, they have a big matchup now against a, a USC team that lost at BYU this upcoming Friday. And I still think a game that will decide the South. But, you know, Utah now 3-0, and pushing forward. They're gaining that offensive continuity that we've been waiting for. Huntley's good. Moss has been great this entire season. How do you see Utah's win carrying over to Friday? Well, I, I said this last week. I really felt like... Uh, I didn't care what this game looked like in terms of how they won. 
uh, if they beat them by 100 points or if they beat them by 10. It didn't matter to me. It was a matter, matter of getting out of that game healthy, doing the right things offensively under Andy Ludwig in his second or in his first year back as, as offensive coordinator and knowing they have this huge game in a short turnaround against USC on the road. So I was pleased with, with what I've seen uh, through the first three weeks. If you're going to look for some comparisons out there, you look at week one for you. Uh, you look at week one for Utah, how they dominated a, a BYU team in Provo, and then you look at what USC did this week uh, against BYU and how they got beat. So uh, if you're going into this football game, and it's uh, it's not too surprising, but Utah is a favorite, um, not by much. They are a favorite by three and a half points going into Southern California, which is a big deal. USC has exactly what I thought would be in front of them. They are in a position. It happened differently than I thought. I thought Stanford would be the team that beat them and they would beat BYU. But they're looking straight into the face of a possibility of being 2-6 and six or 2-4 and four when all this is done through six weeks. Utah, definitely the opportunity to put themselves in a position to be 4-0 with a win over what I would think is their probably biggest competition in the South in USC and set them on the on a path to, to be the Pac-12 South champion and possibly a representative in the college football playoff if they're able to get through the gauntlet of what the Pac-12 conference looks like. 30-27, to 27, USC loses in overtime. A lot of the USC students, a lot of the USC fans are calling for Clay Helton's head. At what point do we push the panic button on Mr. Helton? It, it is absolutely absurd. Last, last Monday at this time, you and I are talking, and everybody is just through the roof about (laughs) how Clay Helton has found the next quarterback and Keaton Slovis and all of a sudden USC's in the top 25 and I'm just just, everybody just calm down right we don't know who you are until at least week five that's that's just always been my opinion you do not know who teams are until week five they're they're trying to tell you they're trying to show you but until you see it all play out you do not know who they are and I just wasn't I wasn't convinced yet it was more of a of a referendum, I thought, on Stanford, and that was thoroughly shown this week when they played UCF, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But but I just wanted to see what the young freshman looked like on the road in his second start after a team has had a full week to prepare for him, and BYU did that. You know, they put him in some positions that made him make some bad plays, in particular the final play of the game for them where it was tipped up and intercepted in overtime, and they they walked out of Provo with the loss. Uh, it's a big loss in my opinion. I, I, I thought they needed to be 3-3 three and three because I not thought the next three weeks were extremely difficult. And I and I said a week ago, I said I wouldn't be surprised if they were 3-3 three and three when it was all said and done. Unfortunately, it, it looks like it's a possibility where they can be 2-4. and four. And I don't know if Clay Helton can survive that. Their final six weeks of the season are manageable. They could be a team that end up, ends up 8-4. You know, and four. But... I don't know where they go to as a coach. I don't know if, if he becomes a lame duck. You can't fire a guy and who are you going to replace him with? You're not going to move Graham Harrell into the head coaching position as an interim head coach, I don't think, at USC. So he may be a guy that 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 is in a lame duck year. The president's going to hire a new AD, as we talked about, Lynn Swan being fired or asked to resign a week ago. Uh, he The new athletic director is going to want to bring in probably their own head coach and the best way for that to play itself out is if that team is struggling and has a difficult finish to the season. USC's having trouble finding a new AD. They've been searching for a week. They've reached out to Power 5 schools. they reached out to Group of 5 schools. They're trying to find a name that people can associate the school with. Why? What makes it so hard for an AD to leave a program to go to USC? What about USC isn't attractive? 
See, I, I I've heard those th- I've heard those same comments that that they've been rebuked by people, and I don't buy it for a second. I think that it is a bucket list job for any athletic director out there, and we're going to hear something here sooner rather than later uh, that they're going to get a coup at the athletic director position. I don't I don't believe that for a second that people are are shying away from the the possibility of being the athletic director at the University of Southern California. Last thing on USC, I want to talk with you about. We talked about last week, this time, USC should not have been ranked, number 24, but yet the AP consistently gives them the benefit of the doubt. They get the Michigan complex, I like to call it, because, again, for the last decade, Michigan's been overrated. Um, They've been competitive, but they've been overrated. USC has consistently been given the same benefit of the doubt, not on the same scale, because they haven't had nearly as talented teams as Harbaugh and Michigan, but they still, for some reason, find their ways into the AP poll when I don't think they should. Why is that, and at what point does this USC team start being looked at similarly to its competitors in the Pac-12 on national scale? Well, I, I don't know if it will ever happen. You know, it's just the way it is. I get the enjoyment of now being an analyst on a national platform and kind of, you know, displaying what I think of what's going on. And I, and I have Utah at, at seven in the country. Uh, I have U- Washington State at 16. I have Oregon at 18. I have Cal at 22, and I have the University of Washington at 23. So I have five teams in the top 25. You know, the lower half, I think Utah definitely deserves to be in the conversation. And the reason I have them up there so high now is because I, I, they need to be. You know, the, the, the worst thing that could happen in a situation that, that plays out this weekend and what Oregon went through in week one is losing to Auburn and then Washington losing to Cal in week two. The worst thing that could happen this weekend is if USC were to beat – USC were to right. beat, beat Utah, right? And that, or and then Stanford to beat Oregon. I mean, the, and it's not out of the the realm of possibility of that being the case because this conference is so darn competitive. So, what as a a general rule for us right now as a conference, we need the top teams like in the other conference. We need uh, the, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, and Georgias, and Oklahomas, uh, and, and the Michigans and Ohio States right now to continue to win in the Pac-12 conference because you need those teams at the top to make the conference in consideration for the college football playoff when it's done. If they're just beating each other up and they have a two- or three-loss team at the end of the year, they're not going to be in that conversation. And it doesn't matter how good the conference is because the ACC right now is absolutely awful. But Clemson is really, really, really darn good. Yeah, there's an argument that Clemson should just be independent for the rest of the season because they, I mean, they're going to be two touchdown favorites for the rest of the season in that conference, which uh, begs the question, if they lose, I mean, I don't know if a one-loss Clemson team in the ACC could even make it because of how bad that conference is outside of them. That's a conversation, though, uh, for another time. I want to transition to the Washington-Hawaii game because I think Washington is one of the more intriguing teams. You had them at the final uh, Pac-12 team in your rankings, listed in your rankings. They they slaughter Hawaii, 52-20. to 20. It was an, a game that they needed to bounce back from. Cal is now ranked, though. So do you view that loss to Cal as a quality loss because now Cal is ranked, even though I know you last week said it doesn't matter how you win, get the win. I don't think that Cal beating North Texas 23-17 to 17 was a quality win, but they find themselves in the ranking, which makes me think that, okay, now Washington losing to Cal was okay. If Washington can win out, is there a chance they could represent the Pac-12 in the college football playoff? I don't think it's ever okay to lose uh, <laughs> at home against an opponent that, that everybody thinks you should beat. But I will say this, Cal is a very good football team. They've been 3-0 and the last three years under Justin Wilcox. They're going to Oxford and to play Ole Miss this weekend, the game I get to call. So uh, I'm excited for them. 
I think they're a very good football team. Um, it's just not what college football looks like this day and age, right? It, a lot of Pac-12 teams were starting to see it, right? Arizona State's like it. Utah's like it. Cal's like it. Don't turn the football over. Play really good defense. Limit possessions. So I'm not going to say it's 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 a quality loss. If Cal continues down the line, which I think they will, but I think they're an 8-4 and four football team when it's all said and done, that loss still looks it looks bad for them. Right. A home loss to a Cal team that may be eight and four when the season's all done doesn't look good. Their non-conference was was super super weak. Uh, you know, I still think they have a chance to be the Pac-12 champion. I mean, they lost to an Auburn team early in the year last year, lost to Cal later in the year, ended up going on and winning the Pac-12 conference, representing the conference in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. Uh, the last three years, the Apple Cup has determined who the North champion is. Wouldn't surprise me again if it's not right there. Oregon, for me, even though they lost to Auburn. Still has to be a very tough team in the North. Uh, they play at Stanford this weekend where they've struggled and struggled and struggled. Uh, I, they have not been able to be, win big games under Mario Cristobal and, and Justin Herbert yet. This is a big game for me, and this is going to be huge because of, of what happened this weekend with Stanford. The 7-6 to six Red, Bob, Red Box Bowl win over Michigan State doesn't do it for you as a big win? It, it, yeah, it does. I, I, if you win those games in the bowl games for me, that's a big win. I don't care what it looks like. I never care what a game looks right. like, you know, because guess what? When I look back on it, I'm not taking a snapshot. Um, I don't get to watch the video of the football game when I get told that they won the bowl game, right? And when I hear Coach Mario Cristobal talk about Justin Herbert and the leadership role he took in that football game and how it's led to who they are right now as a personality or as an identity, that's meaningful to me, not the fact that they won 7-6. They won. They They won. That's all. It's that's all that I ever care about when I'm determining what uh, my top 25, what my power rankings look like. Is if you go out and win the football game, I could care less how you look doing it. It's hard to win in this conference. So Stanford loses to UCF. They get throttled, 45 to 27. Gabriel had 347 passing yards. McCray had 109 rushing yards. Stanford couldn't stop their offense. No, and they they got exposed and. You know, I asked Dusty Dvorak, who was on the call for ESPN, you know, after it was all said and done, I said, is it, does this say how good UCF is or how bad Stanford is? And he, he flat out told me that, that it's a little of both. It was 38-7 to in halftime. That final score was not representative of the beatdown that, that ensued uh, in Orlando this weekend. And you have to ask the question, what does Stanford do from here? They've lost two of their best offensive linemen. K.J. Costello came back, didn't look like himself. Uh, the defense, which was supposed to be one of their stalwarts, Paulson Adebo got exposed in front of everybody uh, with Gabriel to Gabriel uh, type of, uh, of of connection. So I want to see how they respond. They're back home on the farm. I want to see how the fan base shows up for an Oregon game that's going to be on an ESPN. I want to see their response, their character, all of that this weekend. Because if they don't show up, uh, they have a game against Oregon State a week from now and then play Washington where this football team could be exactly the same spot as USC. And if you have USC and Stanford at 2-4 and four after after the first six games, the conference identity in general around the nation is going to be limited. Yeah, one of the things we talk about here consistently is the perception of the Pac-12 conference. I'm not sure if this weekend necessarily helped uh, that perception at all. Maybe the Michigan State out of the Big, 12, Big Ten, but everybody rationalizes well again you know, the field goal that was called back, and then they missed human error. I don't know if that was a quality win for the conference this past weekend as well. It was definitely a quality win. For sure a quality win. That was one that no one anticipated. It 
it is a huge quality win. It, it thrust them in the top 25. It put another team in there. It was a – anytime you can win that against a Power 5 opponent, anytime. Colorado over Nebraska, we could go Stanford over Northwestern in week one. Uh, Arizona Arizona over Texas Tech oh, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, the next one we're going to talk about. You know, anytime you win against a Power 5 opponent, quality win when it comes to the Pac-12. Conference. So Arizona wins – Against Texas Tech, a team that throws the ball. And I thought Arizona was the bottom-ranked uh, defensive team in the Pac-12. It's is certainly pass, pass rushing. Um, but they find a way to win 28-14. to, to 14. What's your take on that game? Because for me, it's good to see Arizona pick up a win like that. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. Underdog at home against a Texas Tech team that's coming off uh, a fired head coach from a year ago, replacing him with a new one. Uh, defense was getting smashed all week long. Um, players had to jump to the support of their defensive coordinator and to go out and limit a team to 14 points uh, in the Big 12 I think is huge. Also, final drive of the football game, uh, Texas Tech pins Arizona at the half-inch yard line. They turn around and go 99 yards, take up the rest of the time of the football game, really support the, the performance of that defense, score a touchdown late in that football game to win by two scores, uh, Khalil Tate still made a couple mistakes, threw a couple bad interceptions, but again, quality, quality win for the Pac-12 Conference against a Power 5 opponent, which sets up them with a bye week, another opportunity to get better and, and really throw their hat in the ring when it comes to the South. Yeah, Arizona State always finds a way to play spoiler against teams in the South, even teams in the North. They beat Oregon last season, uh, but an Oregon team that I think was overrated at the time. Let's go to UCLA-Oklahoma, a game that nobody thought UCLA would be in. Everybody was right. Um, it was a game where UCLA was giving season ticket holders four extra tickets to try and fill the Rose Bowl. It still was not that full. Uh, they what, filled it with Oklahoma fans. Right? So. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I mean, maybe those UCLA uh, season ticket holders were bringing their Oklahoma friends to the Rose Bowl. But what does UCLA do? I mean, it's they don't have any offensive continuity. They obviously have a terrible defense. And I know that this is still Jim Moore's recruitment class, and it's not fully Chip Kelly's class yet. No, it's it's all Chip Kelly's class. Is this season fully Chip Kelly? Well, it's all the guys that he's playing are freshmen and sophomores. Right, okay. So those are his two recruiting classes. This, this for me, is this conversation's over. It's done. It was, it was had a week ago when they lost to San Diego State. We knew what this was going to look like. I want to revisit this and see how they do, uh, you know, let's look at them in week eight, week nine, see how they've responded to anything. I don't know if it really does us any good to continue to talk about something that uh, has been so poor. Uh, they go to Washington State this weekend for Pac-12 after dark. It could, you know, they were on five a year ago. A lot of expectations with Chip Kelly in year two, and it just just hasn't come to fruition. We're gonna. Uh, I'm, I'm told he's got a long rope there um, to perform, but you know, I, I you're asking a guy to reinvent the wheel again, and that's very difficult to be a genius twice in your life. A wheel that everybody is now using as their standard in college football. Everybody's running that West Coast. So uh, I think that'll, that about wraps it up for all of the games. Do you have any final takeaways before uh, we send it off here? Yeah, you know, I would, I would probably say that, you know, big, big opportunity for them uh, this past weekend in terms of what the national narrative will do and, and what I think the, the ultimate takeaway with, with Arizona State winning against Michigan State. It's kind of, for whatever reason, People feel optimistic about it. Six teams in the AP Top 25. I don't know necessarily what to think about that, other than I was disappointed. Stanford looked bad. Washington, Washington did their job. Colorado getting beat. USC getting beat. Those were those were big losses for me. The takeaways for positivity, Washington State gets it done on the road against a very good Houston team. 
uh, Arizona State wins at Michigan State. Um, and, and, of course, Arizona beats Texas Tech. So right there, down the line, I'd say, uh, uh, we're still we're still feeling things out. But when you're talking about the national conversation, I still don't necessarily think they, they've garnered that respectability they're looking for. We'll see what the Notre Dame crossover matchups with USC and Stanford look like down the line. Those will be the next opportunities for the Pac-12 conference, I think, on a national level to make a statement. Pac-12 has six teams ranked in the top 25 going into week four. Stay with us for our next episode when we preview week four, some Pac-12 on Pac-12 action, as well as some big games outside of the conference for some Pac-12 teams. For Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals in Los Angeles. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.